Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good to see you. I've about sung my voice out, and uh, <clears throat> how about that? Uh, phew, man, that choir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's. Mm. That's good stuff. Um, Welcome. If this is your first time to the Vineyard, welcome to our church. And uh, we are in a series uh, on family dysfunction or dysfunction. And we've been making our way through trying to find things that will help us and maybe uh, ways that God has provided for us to have some healing in our families, and not just families, but our church family and our, uh, our families at home and also in our communities and all. And so we've been making our way through different qualities, different things. And, and uh, you know, one of the things I think that God has given the church that probably is not exercised as much as it should is laughter. And I really believe God has given the church the ability to be able to laugh and to be able to enjoy life in a way and into a depth that... Uh, I think others can't. And I just don't think we let ourselves do that sometimes. You know, we don't, uh, we, we don't allow ourselves. We don't know, depending on your tradition, right? When you came to Jesus, if you're a Christ follower and you were in the church family, what was your church experience like? I mean, I came out of a situation where I went to a little country Baptist church maybe twice in my life when I was a little kid. Then I didn't go anymore until I became a Christian. So when I went into a church... I thought everybody was as excited as I was about Jesus. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Not too loud, everybody. No. Praise Him, O creatures here below. They're not doing it. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Above ye heavenly host? We can't even get off the ground. I mean, what is wrong with us sometimes when God has given us the best news that you could ever receive and we just kind of take it in stride through life? And so I thought, Let's see what the Bible has to say about joy, about laughter. We're going to be over in a psalm. And if you take your hand out, flip it over, you'll see it'll be printed out there for you. There's a fill-in on the back side too, so that you can track along with me and follow along. But there's a psalm on this uh, uh, that I want to take apart a little bit or look at this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about the healing uh, you know, of joy and of laughter and how that is a part of our, I think, reclaiming health and wholeness for us that's in Jesus Christ. Psalms uh, 126, 1 through 5. Let's read this and I'll pray and we'll jump into this. Psalm 126, 1 through 6. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, for we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. 
Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Lord, I pray your blessing on your word this morning. I pray you help me in my weakness, Lord. Uh, Lord, come. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes. I pray for a, just a sense of freedom in this room with each of us, Lord. I pray that the liberation that you bring to our lives, God, would be experienced in a new level this morning through your word, God. So, Lord, help me today. Breathe life on your word and bring it to life in each of us. Let it bring forth fruit, Lord. Joy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you've heard me say before that the Bible, I, though there's some odd things in the Bible for sure, but the Bible is by far a, it's a, it's a book of contrast, but it's also a book of reality. Like everyday life is in there. The struggles, the happiness, the joys. There's extreme highs. There's extreme lows and losses. There are struggles in the Bible. People have struggles. Uh, but all of life is in the scripture. And as we'll see in portions, it, it's a reflection of what we live, of how we live. And, and, uh, and in the midst of that, though, comes Jesus Christ who brings a revolution of peace and kindness and restoration and joy. And in this psalm that we're reading today, it's called a psalm of ascent. And that is that it's a going up. You know, it's a, it's a psalm of happiness. It's a psalm that came out of when the children of Israel had been taken into exile by the Babylonians for hundreds of years. And finally, finally they are released to go into, go back to Jerusalem, to go back to build their temple, to go back to, to their homeland. And so... They're going up and they're excited and they're full of joy and they're, they're full of happiness. Uh, one theologian, Derek Kidner, says that this psalm is delirious happiness and relief. Such is the mood recaptured in the first half of this psalm. And how much more for those of us who have come out of exile, come out of we know Jesus Christ now. We've come out of our sin and our bondage and, and all of that. And God has liberated us. I mean, there's pictures in the Old Testament of that bondage and, and of that exile uh, with the Babylonians, with the Assyrians, with the Egyptians. All of that's kind of a foreshadowing of when Jesus would come and set us all free. Free us from, the, from exile. And so how much more... Should our celebration, how much more should our joy and how much deeper should our joy be in us living in this era and this time when Jesus has come and we're the recipients of his grace and his mercy. And we all have come out of exile and coming out of exile in some way. You guys have heard me say that the Bible, especially Jesus, when you read through the Gospels, you see Jesus eating a lot of meals, going to a lot of parties, right? I mean, his first miracle is at a wedding. And, uh, you know, he turns the water into wine. Not just any wine. Really good wine. Not cheap wine. He, he said that's the first miracle is at a party, a wedding party. And so I just, yesterday, I just kind of blitzed through the Gospels. And I may have missed one or two. But I read through the Gospels just to see how many times meals show up. And eating and drinking with Jesus in, in the Gospels. And so in Matthew, I counted 11 times. 
11 times we see some type of expression of celebration with Jesus gathering with people. In Mark, seven times. In Luke, Dr. Luke, 15 times. 15 times we see celebrations with meals and excitement. And then in John, only five times. Yeah, John's, you know, John's awesome. His gospel's a little different than the other three, what they call the synoptic gospels, but uh, a little different, five. And uh, here's just a couple of quotes uh, about laughter and humor. Did you know that humans are the only animals who laugh? I mean, we can see animals. You guys have posted those crazy videos probably on your Facebook or Twitter account or something. Instagram, you know, of, of animals looking like they're laughing. But that's kind of trained behavior. But we're the only animals that laugh. And scientists can't even figure out exactly how it works. Or even why it works. But laughter is something very unique to us. And something that's been given to us. and Something that's very special uh, to us. Um, on this, I kind of did some research on partying in the Old Testament, okay? And it says, one, one uh, commentary says, partying as an act of worship was demonstrated in many Old Testament banquets, which the Lord commanded his people to hold in order to celebrate and remember the good things he had done for them. He commanded his people to have times of fun, and celebration. To party together so that we would remember his goodness. And remember the things he has done for us. John Wesley the founder of Methodism. Of the Methodist church says. A sour religion is the devil's religion. Mm. And George MacDonald. George MacDonald was what 1800s early 1900s. Scottish theologian and preacher. I love the way. I should have put a picture of George up. Because he's a wild man. But uh, you know, he's got his scraggly beard. And his hair. He's a John the Baptist type looking guy. But uh, George MacDonald said. It is the heart that is not sure of its God. That is afraid to laugh in his presence. You know, the Bible, I think, has moments of humor and hilarity just kind of put in places for us as we read through it. Second uh, Chronicles 21. I read from Second Chronicles back here a few weeks ago as I put the list of the kings of Israel up. And Second uh, Chronicles 21, 20, and talking about one king, it says Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He passed away. Guess what it says next? To no one's regret. <laughs> I think mean, that's hilarious. He passed away to no one's regret. And was buried in the city of David. But not in the tombs of the kings. <laughs> in Exodus 32, 4 through 11. Moses is coming down off of Mount Sinai. With the, with the Ten Commandments, right? And he hears this sound. And, you know, Israel is partying. They have rejected God. They wanted, They don't know where Moses is gone, their leader. And so they're freaking out. And they ask Aaron, the priest, they said, we need a God we can follow. So they took all their earrings and all their gold and they made a golden calf. And they're worshiping this calf. And Moses is coming down off the mountain after being with God. And of course, God is there with him. And they're coming down and they hear this and they see this. And this conversation between Moses and God ensues in 
Exodus 32, 4 through 11. Here's, here's God. Go down. Because your people, Moses, your people, whom you, Moses, brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. How does Moses reply? Lord, why should your anger burn against your people <laughs> whom you brought out of Egypt? <laughs> oh, I just think that's, that's hilarious, you know. Like, well, not my people, they're your people. It's like, you know how when you're a parent and it's like your son, you know, your wife says that to you. Um, it's kind of like that. And I mean, I'm sorry, but how can you read Numbers 22 about Balaam's donkey and not laugh. Those of you, have you read the Bible? That story's in there. There is a talking donkey in the Bible. A talking donkey, yes. This, he wasn't Jewish, he was Syrian, let's say Syrian guy who cursed people. He was really good at it. Actually, it was a family trade. And uh, so this, this Syrian curse giver, guy named Balaam, had this donkey. And there's a whole story in there that's fascinating. You should read it. And, um, but he's on his way with his donkey. And this donkey sees an angel. Like if this is the path. He sees, he sees an angel standing there with a sword. And so the donkey's like, dude, I don't want to get killed. I mean, you know. And I don't want my master to get killed. So the donkey kind of strays off to the left. To get away. And Balaam. The guy on the donkey. Starts beating his donkey. Because he doesn't see the angel. Well you know. The donkey gets back on. He's trying to save his master. He's heading on down. And it's getting closer to the angel. And the side of the mountain. The rock is there. And so. You know the donkey goes. Close to the side of the wall. And it hurts Balaam's foot. Oh, poor Balaam. And he hurts his foot while a donkey tries to slow down his progress with friction, I guess. And, and what does Balaam do? Beats his donkey. Keep going, donkey. Keep don going. And then finally he gets closer to the angel. The donkey sees him. And the donkey just lays down. Not going there. Balaam starts beating him. Well, I mean, that's pretty funny right there. But the donkey talks. Sorry, that's funny. I don't, I, I don't know how we read the Bible and we go, donkey talked. No, what? The donkey talks and he goes, have I ever done anything bad to you? I mean, what would be your response if your donkey talked to you like that? I mean, really? What would you do? I mean, what? You know, but no, what does Balaam go? Well, no, you weren't going where I want you to do. And this conversation ensues that is like, Really hilarious. And I mean this whole story is, is just crazy funny. And the angel finally is shown to Balaam. And the angel says to Balaam. You know what? If that donkey had slowed you down. And you got up to me. I was going to kill you. But I wouldn't have killed the donkey. Now that's funny. That's funny. And I mean let's face it. A donkey that talks lends itself to all kind of comments. I don't know if I'm in the right group this morning to say a few of them or not. But look, God can use a dumb ass. I'm just saying. If you ever think God can never use me, go to Numbers 22 and read the story. God can, yes, he can. So, you know, Jesus talking to, you know, the Pharisees who are just railing against him for not following the dietary laws of the day. And Jesus says this. He says it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. 
It's what comes out of him. You. I mean, imagine what they were thinking. It's, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, you got to get out of, of, I don't know what it is that we do when we start following. Well, it's not following Jesus. It's coming in the church that does this to us. We come into, we come into structures and forms that want to teach us that laughter and humor is not holy. Or is not used by God to lighten our loads at times. To bring happiness to us. To let us laugh a bit. And to not take ourselves so seriously. I mean. And so in this passage. I'll mention four things here to you. And the first one is this. I want you to notice in verses 1 and 2. It says. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. We were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter our tongues with songs of joy. And that is laughter leads to worship. Laughter leads to worship. It allows us to be able to relax a bit. To be able to you know, laugh and to open up our emotions to, uh, to God and to one another in such a way. That we're not taking ourselves so seriously. Um, you know I've noticed my kids when they were growing up. The lighter that we made things, it seemed like the more open they were to worshiping and all. Um, you know, I told a story in the first service. I don't, can you guys handle this story? <laughs> I think so. Our background, our, our background in church is that we were a part of the charismatic Pentecostal I love it. I've got some of the best for 16, 18, 20 years. The first church I served was Assemblies of God. Second church that we started was an independent, charismatic, but a little more balanced type of church. And then been with the vineyard for 23 years. So, but in this process, we experienced during this period of time what was called the renewal movement. Some of you guys, do any Anybody know what that is? The renewal movement? Yeah. It's when the Holy Spirit kind of swept. And I do believe it was the Holy Spirit. Now, not everything that went on was the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of us involved in it. A lot of us showing up, you know, in our flesh. And, but the Holy Spirit was healing people and we're moving with pe- on people and helping people. And, uh, and people got kind of relaxed in the renewal. And I remember we had this one guy from Australia that came to our church. Wonderful man. And he had this, his practice was at the beginning of the church service, he would pray like that God would show up on certain people and heal them or lighten their load. And people, it was, it was wild. I mean, people would start laughing just out of the clear blue sky. Just, and I'm leading worship. I'm watching this. I'm like, wow, this is weird. You know, but people would just start laughing and they couldn't stop laughing. And so I'm watching my kids through the worship service and there's this, particular person who is laying on the floor laughing now now this guy prayed for me too and I'm gonna tell you you know I'm hard to manipulate I'll tell you that right now and and you know when the guy prayed for me when you know how you pray for somebody you know I had done yoga for years so I was able to he just bent me right on back and I was like not going down (laughs) not going down not gonna happen I might walk around like this but no, don't put that foot behind my leg. No, don't trip me. You know, I'm like, if, if I'm going down, I'm going down because the Lord took me down. But now that has its own implications when you say something like that. 
as well. But this lady was absolutely free. And she's laying in the back of the church laughing. Strange, but I watch my kids. Because she's laughing, I watch my kids migrate over to her. Well, forgive me, church. These are stories. These are my stories, our story, right? This lady had gas. So every time she laughed... Yes, there was an announcement. Um, and so, I mean, what do you do? What do you do? Laughter. I mean, I, I want to tell you right now, that did not take away from our worship. Because when we went back to worship, people were freer than they've ever been in praising God and loving God. And this lady was just having a great old time. And I, my kids were like, <laughs> just waiting for the next laugh. It's like, oh, that's a six. All right, let's wait. <laughs> Okay, that's an eight, eight, eight. Wow, okay. You know, I mean, laughter does not mean you don't love God. It doesn't mean you're not honoring God. It doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus with all of your heart. It means, you know what? I'm just a human being. Weak as I am, but God has come and rescued me. He's come, he's restoring me. He's helping me. And right now, I just don't know what to do with me. <laughs> And it's okay to laugh because it doesn't take away from our worship. God is looking at our hearts and looking deep within us. Do we love him passionately? These, these folks, as they came back to Jerusalem to rebuild their church, the temple, as they came out of exile, they found great joy in that. Great joy. And they worshipped. worshipped. I mean, Luke 15, right? The prodigal son. You know the story, right? You've seen the movie. Uh, prodigal story. The prodigal son comes home. What did the father do? Welcome back. Glad you're here. Is that what happened? I mean, now this is a picture of God the Father welcoming, welcoming. I'm getting ahead of myself. My thoughts are welcoming us home, right? What does the father do? He sees him away off. So the fact that he sees him far off means he was looking for him, right? He was expecting him. He was anticipating him. He was looking for the celebration that was to come. And when he gets there, what does he do? He runs. This is emotion city right here. I want you to know something. Luke 15 is full of emotion. It's just bubbling with it. Long way off he saw him filled with compassion. That means his insides. That word compassion is like his insides were just knotted up in this great excitement in this moment. Filled with compassion. He runs to him. He hugs him. He kisses him. He's using every possible act of emotion he can use to tell him, I'm glad you're home, buddy. I'm so glad you're home. And then he says, quick. Bring not just any robe, bring the best robe. Put it on him, ring on his fingers, sandals on his feet. Kill the fatted calf. What's the fatted calf? It's, man, it is Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. It is New York Prime, whatever your favorite one is, you know. It is like the best, the top. That's what it is. And look what he says. Let's have a feast. Let's have a feast, celebrate. So they began to celebrate. And here's what the father says to the son who doesn't want to celebrate over this. We had to celebrate. We had to celebrate and be glad. We had to. 
What if the church, what if we took that as a mandate for us and we said, we got no choice, we got to celebrate. No choice at all. We have to celebrate and we have to be glad. No choice about it. And so, hey, so they celebrate, they're glad. Luke 15 is just a chapter full of celebration after celebration of the lost being found. And in the very beginning of Luke 15, it says that when one person repents, there's more celebrating in heaven than for the 99 he already has. What do you think the angels are doing? That's high five. Oh, look. Jesus, you saved another one. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yes, all right. You know, oh, that person just got blessed. It's pretty cool. That's, 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 nah, man. The angels are celebrating. They can go even beyond what we can do. <laughs> and so I don't know what they're doing. I always see the Blues Brothers. I don't know why, but I see like people turning backflips down the aisle and things like that. You know, I just see this celebration that goes beyond our comprehension. This is a part of worship. Laughter, appreciation, joy, celebrating is a part of worship. And laughter leads to that. Your second one there is laughter leads to witness. Laughter leads to witness. Look in verse 3. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. For we are filled with joy. Then it was said, where? Among the nations. There are always people watching and groups watching the church to see how they respond. Do they want to be a part? Do they want to come in and be a part of what we are? Is there anything worth being happy about? Joyful about? Among the nations. I had a, a guy I've surfed with, known all my life, basically. The first year that I was a Christian, I paddled out in the water to him. This is 48 years ago. Paddled over to the water and told him about Jesus. And he goes, if you believe this next year, Tim, I'll listen to you. Next year, I paddled over in the water to him. He'll believe it. Well, it's 48 now. And when I see him, like, are you ready to talk? He's not ready to talk yet. But, you know, maybe a few more years. Still holding out. You know, is there anything, is there anything within us that witnesses and testifies to the goodness and the grace and the mercy of an all-loving God who sent His only Son to save us? Has God lightened our load at all? I mean, God's lightened Donald's load over here big time. I mean, he's enjoying life. Has God lightened anybody's load? Has Yes. Y'all be with me. Come on. Help me out here. It's a witness. Um, my kids. I've got a, younger, a young son who uh, was very. Well, all three of my kids are pretty independent. Now that I think about it. But I, we disciplined our children. Um. Uh, no, don't hold it against me. Uh, we had a little paddle like this called Mr. D for discipline. And uh, 
And they didn't think it was funny. Um, but I don't know. Aaron was probably five, six years old. I don't know how old he was. I can't remember now. But I remember something came up. I don't know what it was. And I said, okay, buddy, we, let's, go, let's go in here. And so we go into the bedroom. And I had the bed. It's like four-poster bed. You know, those things, those poles that stick out of beds. And, uh, and so I'm like, well, you know what? You did wrong. He grabs the rope poles on the bed and he goes God have mercy on my soul (laughs) now it was at that moment I had a choice right I had a choice and he's just pleading he's interceding to God just you know I mean what do you do with that you know in that moment in that moment you know in that moment I mean to me it was I mean, I think he knew what he was doing. He's a smart dude. But I mean, it was done, right? It was over. I mean, I was like, okay, you win. <laughs> you, know, you win. You caught on the Lord. He's grace, he's mercy, deliverance. Okay, I get it. All right. It's good. But I think in those moments when we don't take ourselves so seriously and we will go with those moments in our relationships and with our kids, it's a down payment on something later in life. I think it witnesses to the fact that there is something going on inside of our own lives that don't take things so seriously sometimes. That God is a God of mercy and grace. That he has come and he's bestowed upon us this great love of Christ. And so we, we don't, just don't have to be so serious with things all the time. And I believe it's a witness to the goodness of God. Witness. It bears fruit. And everyone loves a party. I mean, it's like, I think sometimes we need to speak to each other. You know, we need to look at each other. And we need to witness to one another and say things to one another. Like, hey, you know that thing you're going through, you won't go through it forever. Speak witness to that person. Witness to the person of how God kept you through it. But then you say, but what if I have nothing to laugh about? Like right now in my life, I have nothing to laugh about. Nothing. Well, I think this scripture can help us too. Because look in verse 4. And I think these returning, these guys that were returning, these folks returning to Jerusalem also had people in their group. And there were also others who would not make it out of exile to much later. And I think they're speaking to them right now. And it says, restore our fortunes, in verse 4, Lord, like streams in the Negev. In the Negev. What is the Negev? It's a desert. A dry place where water used to run. But it hasn't been there in some time. There's some signs of life. And there's some signs of freshness. Here and there. And cracks in the ground. Where maybe there used to be water. But it's been a long time. It's been a long time. And so what they're saying is. They're kind of asking God. And this is your fill in. Ask God for the good times again. Ask him for the good times. Don't be. Don't think. Well this is. This is what God has given me. This is where I'm going to live. This is where I'm going to stay. I will never taste the refreshing flood of God again in my life. No. This this scripture. They're speaking. Ask God for the good times again. Restore our fortunes Lord. Bring back the happiness. Bring back the joy. Bring back the laughter. Like streams in the dry places. Let it come through. He's praying and speaking like it's going to be a gully washer. 
It's been dry for some time. But the water's coming again. The water's coming again. Ask for it. Even this morning, if you're in a dry place. And you look at your heart and you look at your life and you go, there's no waters flowing here. Ask him for it. God, bring the streams of revival, of refreshing to my soul again. Bring it. And secondly, look at verses 5 through 6. Here, your B part in here. Those who sow with tears, what? Will reap, will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, what? Will return. That's like, that's a declaration. This is a declaration. Will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Now the sheaves is the bundled up wheat where everything is lined up just perfect. Where you can see the heads of the wheat and the stalks. And it's bundled up so beautifully so it can be delivered to those to make the bread and all. In other words... The prayer in the prophecy here is that you're going to have a time where you're going to have more than enough. And listen, I am no health and prosperity preacher. I'm not. But I'll also say this. There are times when we need to speak into one another's lives that there are better times to come. We need to say that to one another. We need to say it to our kids. We need to say it to our grandkids. Say it to our church. Say it to people that we love. That when they're in a bad spot. That no. You know what? Good times are going to come. And we pray and we prophesy this. Restore his fortune. I, uh, I have a family member who recently went through a very tough time. And I'm coming out of a situation, walking out of this building, and my heart is breaking. It is just devastated. And so is theirs. They're the one reaping much of this. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me as we left, grab him, pull him close to you, put your forehead right up against his forehead and look him straight in the eyes and tell him this is not the last day. There is a better day to come. Do it right now. We got to the car and I grabbed him. And I pulled him straight into my eyes. And I just spoke just straight to him. And I prophesied a time of joy was going to come again. Because this day is not the last day. There are times when we need to do that with one another. We need to pull each other close. Pull our family close. And state to one another that what we may be experiencing right now. That dry riverbed does not have to stay dry. And prophesy it and say it to one another. That there is a better time coming. You may be weeping now. But you won't be for long. Actually you're going to be so full of joy. That the water is just going to wash away everything. That's come before it. That held back the flood. You're going to have more than enough to give away. Paul King Jewett's says it has been documented that laughter along with a well-rounded sense of humor is one of the surest signs of intelligence. So if you don't want to be dumb, laugh. <laughs> laugh. Billy Sunday, that wild evangelist from way back, said if you have no joy in your religion, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. <laughs> 
I think the Bible says it best in Proverbs 17.22. A cheerful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Laughter is healing. Laughter is something I think God has given the church. Because we are a people out of exile. We are a people being brought out of exile. We have been forgiven of our sins. We have been given a glorious future. God is with us. What's not to celebrate? We had to celebrate. We have to celebrate. Father, I pray today for those who are in a place, Lord, of the dry riverbed. That you would bring a refreshing and releasing flood, God. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.